Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just about contracting officers. If you're anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Today, our conversation is about decisions and consequences and authorities and the mindset behind it all. As always, this podcast is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. Visit skywayacq.com to learn more. And let's get started. Okay, bear with me here, Kevin. I'm going to I'm going to walk you through a story and I promise it's it's going somewhere. Okay. Let's talk like parking. If there's a sign that says no parking this side of the street and there's no cars parked at all. But on the opposite side of the street where parking's allowed, there's tons tons of cars. Do you park on on the no parking side? Meh. Meh maybe, maybe. What, what if there's a few cars parked on the no parking side and the, the side where you're allowed to park is full of cars. The other side, it clearly says no parking this side of the street, but there's a couple cars. At that point, do you, do you risk it? I'd find another parking spot. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's, here, it's very easy to get t- tickets here in St. In, uh, Petersburg. So. <laughs> so here we go, right? What if the sign says no parking from here to corner and there's an arrow? Right. You look at that and you think, I'm going to get a ticket if I park here. Right. St. Petersburg loves loves the tickets. That's fine. What what if what if there's no parking past this point and and with the arrow and you can tell it, it it's that past the arrow is a hazardous cliff. Right. You can you can see the ground is un, is undercut. So it, it kind of makes sense that there's you might not want to put a car on top of there. It, it's about consequences. Sign is the same. No parking past this this line here. But in one case, you might get a ticket. In the other case, your car might fall off the cliff in, 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 into the gorge and n- no more car, right? So the real challenge, I think, and I promise we're heading somewhere here, Kevin. <laughs> what if the sign says no parking from here to corner and you can fit half of your car in front of the sign and half your cars behind the sign in the in the no parking area. So the sign bisects your car if you park it. You can't really get half a ticket. Right. And they can't tow half of your car. This is a situation that government contracting officers and, and industry contracting folks find themselves in all the time. It's not clear no parking versus parking allowed. It's not always clear car falls off the cliff or you get a ticket. Most of the time it's, well, I can park my car here. It's half, it, it, it appears half right, right? <laughs> the, the, <laughs> <laughs> the, the car might not fall into the gorge. In many cases, the decision whether or not you, you to park is, is over your, your authority. It's past your, the thresholds where you're allowed to. So you have the chance to ask somebody higher up the chain, somebody with more authority, hey, is it okay if I park here? You know, you can go to the lawyers, you get legal review. I'm going to park, the sign bisects the car. If they say, yeah, it's legal, you, you park there and you, you don't even think about it, right? If they say it's not legal, then you don't park there. It's, it's easy when the consequences of the decision, of making the wrong decision, are taking off of you. But what if it is your decision? Then you get to weigh the consequences. And this is why we always talk about contracting officers 
it being a being a thinking job, right? Sometimes you're getting paid to make the decision. But what are the consequences if if you park in the wrong spot, right? You get a ticket. Is it a ten dollar ticket? Is it a fifty dollar ticket? Is it a five hundred dollar ticket? Is it tow your car? All of those lead you to make different decisions, right? You 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 weigh the consequences differently. And in some cases, it comes down to what kind of, of person you are. You know, we, we're all built in g- genetically. Nature and nurture builds this into us. If, if it's a two-hour parking zone and you've been there for two hours and 15 minutes, do you have anxiety that, that you're going to have a ticket? Or are, are you like, ah, there's a little chance that the, the, someone will come by in those 15 minutes and, and give me a ticket when, when I'm, it's, I'm past the zone. Right. And your anxiety may link to whether it's a $10 ticket or whether it's an automatic, they tow your car and you, you get back there and you, you see the taillights of the tow truck in the distance. Right. What I'm getting at is contracting professionals have to make decisions. And if they don't, it gums up the whole works. One of the criticisms government folks often get from from industry folks is everything takes too long, right? A lot of times that's due to the tree of, of signing authority thresholds. Lots of people have to review big decisions. If you have authority to make the decision, you got to weigh the consequences. You got to document your rationale and then you have to move on. You can't be paralyzed by the fact that a decision needs to be made. You can't always have someone above you bless it and give you give you the the top cover right it, it's actually your job to make decisions there's a difference between being a contracting officer who has to get approval from you know the acquisition executive for a, a big program versus working in an office or, or being being the contracts person like you are the authority like by by virtue of your position you have the ability to make this decision and for you to go look for opinion from somebody else doesn't add any value it just takes longer it's the same on the industry side you have decisions that you are empowered to make. And actually the the levels of authority on the industry side are often a lot lower than on the government side, right? People are always always amazed you have an unlimited warrant or a, or a million dollar warrant because a million dollars on the industry side is probably a CEO level decision to spend that kind of money. Yeah. The the fact that I I could spend a couple hundred thousand dollars as a contracting officer without asking anybody. I have yet to interact with a business that because we sold the businesses, right? I've yet to interact with a business that could spend more than five thousand dollars <laughs> without talking to somebody. You know, so it, it's a it's a different uh, mindset. I guess to me the the key difference here is there are determinations and there are decisions, and we've talked about this in other episodes. But that that idea of the determination is something that based on the facts and the regulations here, this is my determination. I have to have money to pay for this. I have to have the authority. Where does it say I have the authority to sign this? That's a determination. A decision is things like in the negotiation, we decided to pay this much for it or to give this profit rate for it or to use this evaluation criteria or to subcontract it to this company because these three all could do it. Those are all decisions. And you know, that's, I think, what drives people to be tepid about yeah. having somebody judge their decision, but it's their decision to make. And, yeah. and yeah, I got into a, a, a good number of debates as a contracting officer with, with leadership of, of that difference between the determination says regulation, it's telling me I must do this. And here's my documentation, documentation as to why, whereas a decision is, is my responsibility to decide 
and with an input from the from the customer, from the government customer, what the evaluation criteria are going to be, and are they appropriate for the contract type, acquisition strategy, etc. Once I made that decision, we're going forward. And I I got beat up once because the the evaluation criteria, by the time it got to the approval authority, they didn't like it. And we got into a debate over it. And I I had documented my decision and it, full disclosure, it kind of blew up in my face. And (laughs) one of the companies protested because they thought it was was not an appropriate thing to use, but they protested late and they protested because it was sour grapes and they didn't win and blah, blah, blah. But I got raked over the coals by my leadership over it. So that's where that feeling comes from. Is it like, yeah. if it's a determination, it's easy to say, the FAR told me to do this, I do it. That's my top cover. The FAR is my top cover. Whereas when you have to make a decision, it, there's risk in that. And I think that that we as humans, we want to feel safe. <laughs> so we don't want to take, we don't want to make decisions that are going to make us feel unsafe. Yeah. I think you nailed it there, Kevin. It comes back to, to consequences in your decisions, right? What's the consequence of you choosing the evaluation criteria that you chose. Well, someone at some point could decide that that's not fair or not reasonable or whatever, but you've documented, Hey, based on the facts at hand, based on what I'm trying to accomplish and within my authority, here's why I've made these decisions. When it comes down later to where the boss's boss's boss isn't happy with the, with the outcome, with the consequences that you're loaded with, they can go back to the documentation and say, this is what we knew then, and this is why we made the decision. The outcome of that story, just because it's relevant, the outcome of the contract was very successful to the point of you know, the, the program, the overall program ended up getting a, an award from the Undersecretary of Defense for how well the, it actually supported the mission. But from a contracting perspective, there were some risk elements in there that, that we all had to endure. Not just me, but the program manager was in the office and we were, we were having to debate it. But my point is the goal of the contract is to support the mission. And so if your decision is leading in that direction, that that you stick with the decision, even though it, it is going to get some hiccups. So in the worst, to, to your point here, the, the worst case scenario was I had to field a few more protests. And to me, that was worth it to get an overall contract that that succeeded for the next 10 years. And on the industry side, it it's the the consequences can weigh a little, little heavier, right? I I don't know. I cannot think of a single contracts person that was ever fired for making a decision, right? I know a couple of contracts people that, that lost their jobs for not getting their work done, not getting the job done. You know, yeah, the, t- the real t- timing is everything. Not, not deciding. Yeah. Not deciding is, is a, just as bad or maybe even worse. But on the industry side, the, the consequences can be higher. Right. What's, what's like you said, uh, a lot of times the threshold's really low, $5,000 for buying authority. That, that's a pretty low number, right? What's the consequences if someone makes a bad decision on 5,000 versus 10,000? Well, if your company does $2 million a year in business, that, that's a, a lot of money. If your company does $5 billion a year in business, maybe that threshold's a little low and the consequences aren't that high. But when it comes to, the more esoteric things like a clause, some term or condition in there. A lot of times we have trouble weighing what the consequences are, right? What's the, what's the worst case? If I leave this term and condition in there, is it going to take the company out of business if it, if it goes wrong? Or it, are we just going to end up in a legal debate? What are the probabilities of this actually happening? If we leave this term and condition in as it is, 
what would have to happen for it to trigger and to go wrong, right? When you start to add these things up, you get to a small probability of a small probability to of a small probability, right? Or you can spend the next three or four months and lawyers arguing about words in a clause that are very, very, very unlikely to ever trigger. And I know, I know that's a, it's a, it's a tough thing. Some companies shade on the side of everything has to be perfect in the worst case all the time. Some companies shade on the, that's very unlikely to happen. And if it does, we'll worry about it then with our lawyers. Well, a couple of the uh, nuances I've noticed after being on both sides for a while is that the, what I call the worst case scenario rule is that you, you decide what is the worst case scenario? What is the worst possible thing that can happen? Like, for example, if we don't have money for this and I sign a contract, not only will I probably get fired, but the, the contract will be in default because we won't be able to do the work we said. That, see, there's a huge consequence. That's the worst case scenario, right? But, but to your point, if this clause is misinterpreted and it ends up maybe being interpreted to cost us an extra $10,000 four years from now, if we interpret it this way, that's different than saying we don't have any money, right? Or you, know, you can pull that string pretty easily. But that, that concept of imagine the worst case scenario and then just worry about it once, document I see this as a low probability for the following reasons and keep moving. And that, that can be a very difficult thing to do, especially under duress, yeah. <laughs> but that's why you document. I was just thinking while you were saying that it seems like many companies updated their force majeure clauses after the pandemic. This is one of those, what's the likelihood and what are the consequences? Force majeure is, is the sort of the get out of jail free card, right? If this happens, if, if there's a fire or a flood or, or whatever, act of God, they often call it, then I get some grace in in recovering from that and, and in delivering. It seems like pre-pandemic, the word pandemic was not in the force majeure clause. I was just going to say it, that. We had a debate about the FAR actually said if there's an epidemic. Epidemic. And right. I, I remember there was a big discussion. I was on a, I was on a panel and they were debating with, with the attorneys, it's an epidemic the same as a pandemic. We worked through it. Right. <laughs> it's like, we figured it out. We didn't have to have this fight five years ago when that went in the far. So you go back to consequences. We could have been arguing all along and every lawyer saying it has to say epidemic and pandemic. Exactly. Or you just go with that epidemic. And then when something happens, like the pandemic, which I guess is is a, a really big epidemic, uh, <laughs> when, when something happens, how many cases we're actually successfully argued that, well, your clause doesn't say pandemic. It just says epidemic. So force majeure is, is not reasonable here. I don't, I don't think that's, that's a, a, an argument that, that holds water, but you could spend lots of time and energy, not only arguing about the, the, the very, the small nuances of the, of the definition between those two words and the likelihood of it happening. Right. Well, it turns out every hundred years or so, it seems like we there there is an epidemic or a pandemic. Most companies did not worry about adding every word of everything that could ever possibly happen. Right. It doesn't say if an asteroid hits hits the Earth in there, but I think that would probably cause the fires and the floods. Right. But no no force majeure clause says in case of asteroid strike. Yeah, it's easy to pull the string too far and try to plan for every eventuality. All right, so circling back, Kevin, and attempting to wrap this up. From the beginning, the consequences of parking when the sign says no parking or parking for two hours and 15 minutes when the sign says two-hour parking. 
the consequences of parking your car in a spot where the, the no parkings from here to corner sign bisects your car. So you're sort of half okay and half not okay. You make decisions based on the consequences if the decision goes poorly. If the consequence is your car is going to be towed, if it's just past the line, you probably make a different decision than if the consequence is you get a ticket. Just like in the contracting world, if the consequence is your company could go out of business because this term and condition is so egregiously against you, that's a point where you're likely not going to jump in and make the decision on your own to, to just take that risk. Right? You're going to get the top cover, get the bosses involved, get the legal minds involved, get outside legal minds involved to make sure you don't go out of business. If the consequence is, well, we may have to modify the contract later because this wasn't quite clear and it might cost us a little money or a little time, maybe the decision is different. But regardless, as a contracts professional, you're, you're paid to make the decisions within your authority. And if you're not making those decisions you become the bottleneck in the process. And I, I think contracts folks often unfairly get labeled as the bottleneck. And there are good reasons why that ha- that happens. There's good reasons why sometimes they are the bottleneck. And from, a, from the government side, as a contracting officer, I didn't see the, the risk profile for the, contract spe- for the contract manager across the table from me. So sometimes it took longer for a decision to be made. I thought, well, this would be easy for you. Well, it wasn't easy for me to get it approved or even to document it. So it's not going to be easy for them, especially since the consequences to them, whether they're actually higher or not, they're perceived to be higher. Because if if you work for the CFO and the CFO decides that we lost money on this contract, they may fire you. Like that's a real possibility, right? Whereas as a contracting officer, the risk profile is not the same. And so awareness of the, that fear of, I want to make sure that I feel safe and I need time to review this. I was not aware of that as much as a contracting officer. And it surprised me sometimes how long it took to get something reviewed and sent back to me. And kind of like you said, Paul, sometimes the industry folks have more reviews than the government folks because the, the organizational risk is perceived to be higher. What we're talking about here is a par- is the paralysis of right. I'm afraid to make a decision because I'll make the wrong one. And the fact is, if it's a determination that the regulation says you must do it this way, make your decision, document it, own it, and then be able to defend it. If you're wrong, unless the consequence was make this decision wrong and you're fired, <laughs> you should be able to basically have that that documentation to say this was the, the basis for my decision. The number of times that I've been down this path as, 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 a, as a leader at Skyway, like I, I quit my job with a four-year-old and a six-year-old to, to start Skyway. The consequences of screwing up are pretty bad, right? When I thought about it, I'm like, well, I could always, I believe I can go do something else. My wife was crazy enough to follow me. There's risk in that, right? <laughs> But all along that journey, I've made lots of decisions. Some of them blew up my face. Some of them didn't. But the reality is you have to make decisions based on, okay, are we going to be profitable doing this? Are we going to be in business five years if I do this? And do we have this solution for our customers? Everything else is a decision that you you navigate. And as a contracting officer, I did the same thing. Or I have the money. We have the the, the mission. The the contractor understands what to do. I have the The authority. I have the authority to sign it. The decision to have the the kickoff meeting on Tuesday versus next Thursday, I'm raising my hand because that blew up in my face because there was an ice storm on Thursday. How was I supposed to know that? <laughs> Everything's off schedule, but I couldn't control that, right? And I documented why we missed the date and life went on, which is, that's a bizarre example, but it actually happened. All right, Kevin, I'll, I'll wrap this up. I, I like the way you said don't, the paralysis, right? If you have been given 
awarded a warrant, uh, a contracting officer warrant. It comes with a threshold of your decision authority. You can make it sign a contract worth a million dollars or $5 million or a hundred million dollars or unlimited. If you're on the industry side, you've been hired to be a contracts person that makes decisions. And there is an approval threshold of the authorities of which decisions can be made by you. If it's within your authority, don't be paralyzed. Ask for advice if you need advice. Ask for review if the consequences are high of the decision being wrong. But in the end, it's your job to make these decisions, keep the process moving along. Fun fact, because we have to have a FAR reference, right? <laughs> so again, putting on the contracting officer hat, FAR 1.602-2, so responsibilities of the contracting officer. And, there's a, and it lists out, these are the things you shall do. You shall ensure that the, the requirements of, of all the regulations have been met. You, you shall ensure there's a sufficient funding, and you shall make sure that there is impartial, fair, and equitable treatment. Okay, those are all the shalls. Here's the, the whole paragraph that says, you will request and consider, I'm not making this up, request and consider the advice of specialists, such as lawyers, engineers, information security, et cetera, et cetera. In other words, the expectation is, you're going to make decisions based on considering input from others. It clearly says, these are the things you shall do. You shall follow the regulations and do all the things that the FAR says, which is a giant pile. I get that. But it says you'll consider these options, which it, to your point, Paul, you'll consider we're half parked in the spot, we're half not. What's the consequence of screwing this up? Based on the lawyer, not a big deal. Based on, on my Google search of what happens in this case law, not a big deal. Here's my decision. Let's keep moving. That's easier said than done, but right there's the far reference that allows you to do that. If I'm going to get a ticket, that's a minor inconvenience. If my car is going to be towed and I'm on my way to the to a wedding, uh, my wedding, you know, probably don't want to get to, <laughs> it's yours. Yeah. You probably don't want to get the the car towed and be late and, and ruin all that. Anyway, consequences, decisions, gather the input, document your rationale, make the decision, move on. That's what I was trying to get. It, it only took us like a half hour to get there, but that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> All right, Kevin, with that, I'll talk to you later. I'll see you, Paul. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Contracting Officer Podcast. We've released hundreds of these episodes over the years and recognize that it can be a little hard to find a particular topic you're looking for. So we've organized the podcasts into playlists on our site. You can find them at skywayacq.com slash COP for Contracting Officer Podcast. Thanks for joining us here on today's podcast, and we'll see you next time.